it's Sarah here and welcome to Served With Love, a podcast with a mission to elevate and celebrate depth through conversations, theme chats, Q&As and more. I'm keen to give your depth and my depth a powerful platform to jam all in the service of love. Thank you for being here today and thank you for being served with love. Before we get into today's podcast, I just wanted to say thank you for the wonderful support of Served With Love. Thank you for the lovely comments and feedback and your interest in particular with my journey. But so grateful to have guests come in to share their their flavour of their evolution and their story because I think we can all relate in some way, shape or form. And today's uh, podcast is no different. We get to discuss uh, neurodivergence, uh, the neurodiverse community um, can cover all different um, conditions, all different behaviour patterns, all different ways of feeling and sensing the world. And it's wonderful that we get to hear from a, a person's experience, Lauren's experience. And we're all different and it's important that we have um, all these different perspectives and awareness of our difference. It makes the world a better place, that's for sure. And we each use our unique differences to secure up our identity and place in the world. So we often will meet our labelling, we'll often meet um, our identification with different aspects of us or diverse aspects in different ways, you know, then that's fine. So wherever we are at in our personal journey is how we're going to dance with various labels and processes. And I've loved listening to Lauren's experience and her journey with identifying with her neuro divergence and I'm excited for the next session next week for me to share my story and my experience with understanding my brain and the way that I interact with that so stay tuned and just a little note when you uh, when we begin this podcast you're gonna have to turn the volume up a little bit I'm afraid little podcast microphone didn't quite pick up both of our voices so volume up for this episode enjoy Welcome back everyone to Served With Love. I'm excited to have an in-person guest today in the studio with me is Lauren and I'm just going to introduce you uh, to Lauren. Lauren Monaghan is a registered acupuncturist and a doctor of Chinese medicine residing in Lyndon, Brisbane. She has worked alongside natural health practitioners since 2014 and has been a clinical, in clinical practice for two years now. Lauren is proudly queer and neurodiverse. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. It's so great to be here. It's so cool to be in person with you chatting away. And that last statement, that is a directive straight up for all of us, that this is a mask-free zone today. Absolutely. And, I mean, the energy that comes out of reading your bio is already an invitation to let go of any mask and to come as you are. And I always love when I'm around a person or an environment where I am free to unmask and come as I am. Uh, And so both of us playing in that space is sure going to lead to some cool conversations. I can also sense the liberation in that final statement of your bio when you're really claiming, you know, who you are. And I just think it's it's such a sort of wonderful inspiration for us to do so. And just acknowledging that those labels, if we want to use that word, are pointing in the direction of liberation, your liberation. And I also can understand that that liberation has come from a place of deep constriction. And I'm looking forward to kind of unpacking that more because I think a lot of people can relate today. 
So if you haven't already cottoned on, this theme of today's uh, chat is masking or unmasking. Um, and like all guests on this podcast, the topics for each guest is part of that person's personal evolution. And therefore, they are speaking from a place of expertise that is from their lived experience. And that's what the, these deep conversations are about. That's where the, the juice is and is what is highly relatable for all of us listening to see where, you know, everyone's conversations are always going to point to something within us to explore. So I'm super excited to, to dive in with this topic with you today, Lauren. But you know, I use masking in clinic to point people to releasing any adaptations and identities that are in the way of their truth. But I know it's also a word used in the lexicon of ADHD, and I guess that's where we're going to be, you know, exploring this topic of masking um, today. But can you firstly explain a little bit about the term masking and, you know, the meanings of that and, and ADHD context and, and all of that? Yeah, so I guess it's not um, like dissimilar to your explanation of it. Um, I think of masking as just sort of uh, making your traits that aren't, you know, as desirable sort of more palatable for other people. Um, so I guess it's, yeah, you know, you're putting on your work face, your work mode, you're going out into the world and then you're conducting yourself in the way that everyone else thinks that you should be. Um, and it's, yeah, sort of, you know, learning behaviours from other people in your life, um, you know, watching, like, media, news, like, all of that sort of stuff and just, I guess, you know, literally masking or pretending that those parts of yourself don't exist. Um, and another thing is that it's extremely exhausting. Mm. So... You know, you can imagine using all of that energy up to make sure that you are the right person, that you are, you know, perfect and there's nothing wrong with you and you can conduct yourself in the way that, you know, the world wants you to be. But then, you know, you go home, you take off the mask and you're just completely exhausted from being someone else. Mm. And the concept of masking or the construct of masking, the construct of neurodivergence would only be possible if we were in a world reflected of normality. You know, so wouldn't it be wonderful for us to get to a point where there wasn't a need to unmask, that the world really honoured and welcomed us as we are? Because the whole concept of what you have had to move through with that exhausting process of masking up to fit in to survive, to survive, and a lot of us do the same thing, you know, wouldn't be required if we weren't in a, a world that welcomed all colours and all shades and shapes and brains and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So from that place of masking, from your experience, because I think everyone will be able to relate to this, what did the world look like or feel like from that lens when you were having to be masked in the world? Yeah, so it felt um, like very constrictive. Um, so for example, like if you know I was being myself and I was being too loud or over the top or my reactions were too much for that person or that setting, I would go, oh, that's wrong. I need to pull it back a bit. I need to just make myself, you know, a little bit more, I guess, palatable for other people. Um, and it, yeah, it just felt like being in a box and not being able to express who I was 
fully um, out of fear of being judged. Um, and yeah, just not very nice at all. No, and you wouldn't have known that there, you wouldn't have known any different at that stage. So how did you see yourself? Like what, how was your mind trying to make sense of it? Were you labeling yourself? Were you calling yourself names? Did it pull you into mental health issues? How did you see yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, I just saw myself as, you know, like, oh, that's wrong. You don't do that. That's not how you, you know, should be in the world. That's not how you should act. Um, and absolutely pulled me into, you know, mental health struggles. Um, the anxiety that comes from that and I guess sort of like you know watching and and surveying people and looking at them being like okay how are they perceiving me um and then you know worrying about yeah like what to say what to do uh you know rehearsing um like conversations and stuff in yeah, my head yeah, yeah. you know practicing in the mirror of like you know facial expressions and reactions um that sort of thing and yeah like you know the other side of it as I spoke about before that masking is extremely exhausting so then when you come out of a social situation you well this is how my brain works is I go okay I'm going to run through every single mm. thing that I said mm. okay that was wrong don't do that again okay oh that makes me feel bad no don't do that and then sort of beating yourself up for being like oh I just you know was too much in that situation I shouldn't do that that's bad that's not good you know and then having that yeah sort of deep depression and not really understanding why and being just so hard on myself um for yeah being who I was complete know? analysis is full on did mm. you have did you have a sense in that state that you were different did you think everyone was practicing facial expressions in the mirror like was um, there enough awareness that there was something different about people in your circles well I guess it's funny because it's like you know growing up in a household with neurodivergent people around me um I didn't actually realize that, you know, I was different or we were different. And because we were all the same, it was like nothing was wrong with us because, <laughs> you know, that's just how we were. Um, but then obviously going out into the world, um, having that sort of sense of like, oh, that didn't really feel right or why do I need to act this certain way? Um, for example, using eye contact, like I never used eye contact at all um, until I was like 14 years old and my best friend said to me, Lauren, if you use eye contact, people will think that you have that confidence and they will, you know, listen to you more. I think we were talking about it in the concept of like boys or something like why doesn't this boy notice me so that social cue yeah that's right yeah you needed to be told that yes yeah. and then so from then I was like okay I don't really understand eye contact but I'm gonna try my best to you know make sure that it works for me and I want to I want to seem confident so I'm gonna do that you yeah. know what was the implications at school? Like, how did how did school go down? Yeah, um, so I guess a teenager, like being a teenager, and even as a, a young child, I was quite um, sort of resistant to authority and authority figures, and I always wanted to 
know and understand why I was being punished for doing something. And so that explanation was never given to me. So then I would, you know, sort of, I guess, act out in order to get my way Mm. of things or to push back on that. And then I guess, you know, having that sort of strong sense of justice, being like, why am I being punished when so-and-so, you know, knocked my water bottle off the desk and I got angry, Mm. you know? Like, yeah, so, and yeah. And then just with, yeah, like social interactions and stuff at school, um, very much, yeah, sort of, on the outside, bit of a weirdo, bit of a, you know, a strange person. Um, For some people, you know, they thought that was cool. Mm. I was cool, Mm. quirky, Mm. you know, I wore my bright colors and my big earrings and my op shop clothes and they thought that's really cool. So you were Um, at school where you could express your... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, just through like accessories and stuff like that, which I would get in trouble a lot of the time (laughs) for not Mm -hmm. wearing white shoes. Mm I had these um, aqua blue Converse um, shoes with bright yellow um, and orange laces. <laughs> and so that was not, uh, you know, in accordance with the uniform um, policy. So I got in trouble a lot. It's a big connection. I'm going <laughs> off on a tangent here, but colour. Colour's yes. big. Yep. I'm obsessed with colour. Yep, absolutely. I wonder if that's... You know, I don't know the, the research and the ins and outs, but it'll be interesting to explore if there's yeah. that connection with more of the neurodivergent yeah, styles of, of brain and being that really respond to all of the colour. All of yeah. the colour. Yeah. So you're at school. Mm-hmm. Did you sense, were you okay with your difference? Like with people just, you know, thinking you're quirky and that? Like, did it bother you in that context or were you able to own it? Not so much. I think, yeah, I don't think it bothered me that much, like, towards the end of my sort of school experience. I mean, I think more so as a young teen, I was kind of like, okay, well, where do I fit Fit. in the world? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be sort of thing? Um, And then, you know, I went to the same school as my older brother and sister. So then that sort of played into it where I had teachers that were you know, sort of taught them and were like, oh, okay, we know your siblings. And like, you know, my sister was very um, academic and very, you know, a wonderful student. And my brother was a bit like, you know, very similar to me, like a bit, you know, confrontational with Mm -hmm. authority Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, very uh, talented in um, like artistry and stuff like that. Very, yeah, like expressive in drawing and things mm. so yeah it was I guess. a blessing to have family that were similar yeah that you could feel a bit of comfort in yeah so you're in your teenage years you're at school mm-hmm. there's probably been no such uh talk of uh, neurodivergency or anything like that adhd i assume you were aware of being different you were picking up on social cues and 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 being helped that way what was even though you you didn't you know didn't really understand it what was helpful at that time of your life? What was helpful yeah. for you to process life or move through those masks? Like what was helpful before any of it was, was made known? Mm. So I guess like um, very much like, you know, into music and like just would go home and absolutely just decompress, which was a bit difficult because, you know, obviously being in a neurodivergent family, 
everyone comes home from school and wants to do the same thing. So <laughs> it was like a bit chaotic at times where, you know, someone's had a really bad day and they want to like, you know, sort of diffuse energy. Yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah. Diffuse energy by, you know, picking something or, you know, picking a fight with someone else or that sort of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I guess being in my own little world and, um, listening to music, um, being in my room, surrounded by the things that I loved, um, and just, yeah, being in nature and also animals. Like, mm. I was very fortunate to grow up with so many different animals mm. and different types of animals, and I think that is one of the things that I just could not live my life without, is mm. just having pets and, yeah, that unconditional love and that, yeah, soothing... The co-regulation, yeah, wouldn't it be? Absolutely. The co-regulation of animals for mm-hmm. that nervous system yep. makes so Especially much sense. Cats. <laughs> yes, I can completely relate to cats yeah. being beautiful co-regulators. Yeah. So how did you get here? How did the unmasking happen? Did you have to hit the bottom of the pool? Did you have to have a dark night of the soul? Like, how did this all uh, unpack and unravel to the point where you could come into your own and feel really, really yeah. liberated? Well, I guess, like, you know, sort of like growing up and then you know hitting my adulthood being like okay well this is who I am although you know I do have to practice a few things and I need to be sort of someone else for work and that sort of thing um I guess like one of the things that made me realize that I was you know neurodiverse was um my partner Esther sort of went through sort of a similar pipeline you know we were kind of like we were kind of neurotypical when we met <laughs> and um yeah and then eventually we were like oh okay like because then we sort of had a bit of a long distance relationship they lived in um crow's nest which was about sort of two three hours away from me at the time um so then yeah we you know would send lots of things on the internet to each other and then i guess one of the main things was um, good old TikTok and their wonderful algorithm, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to yeah. like now. And um, yeah, you sort of go, oh, watch one video and then you go, oh, uh, I think I have those traits. I think that's kind of how I feel. Mm. And then, you know, you watch another video and you're like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And then you're sort of almost like confronted by it and you're like, okay yeah and then so you do you know your online quiz your rads are or mm-hmm. your adhd screening mm-hmm. test yeah and then you're like oh okay and then you compare that with a neurotypical person and you're like oh yeah okay that makes sense mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. um and it was yeah it's interesting because um my younger sister caitlin um was diagnosed with asperger's which you know we don't use that term anymore but um like when she was a young teen um and then I guess that sort of you know like woke my mum up to sort of like Mm -hmm. things being a little bit different but I don't think anything was ever you know sort of changed for her because I guess in the way that they described it they were like oh well that's very you know sort of mild form Mm. um but then you know nothing was ever done to help accommodate her in the world from that experience Mm -hmm. so yeah I guess just 
growing older, having conversations with my siblings as well, um, mm-hmm. and then learning that, okay, yeah, like this isn't what neurotypical people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And having that like light bulb moment and mm-hmm. being like, okay, yeah. Yeah, wow. And then, yeah, going down, I guess, like the formal diagnosis route and mm-hmm. yeah. Do you want to speak to that, the formal diagnosis route? Because, you know, I've heard it's it's involved and it's tricky and yeah, I'd love to hear your, you know, the process of that. Yeah. Yeah, so it is very um, tricky. I was actually pretty fortunate to have a pretty easy run of it um, compared with a lot of other people. But basically, I went to my GP, who I love and trust, and was like, hey, um, I think that I have this. Uh, My psychologist also agrees. Um, You know, like, can I have a referral for this particular psychiatrist to get diagnosed? And like the wonderful thing about um, being neurodiverse <laughs> is doing your research. Totally. So obviously, yep. you know, you was exactly came completely across it, yep. had researched and um, gotten lots of feedback from different people about this particular doctor. And it was a pretty straightforward process um, for me. Like I, he kind of just, you know, went through the like 11 questions, which were the screening questions and, you know, sort of said yes like absolutely agree to a lot of these and then um sort of talked about yeah what my main symptoms or traits were Mm -hmm. and then um from there he was like yeah you have ADHD Mm -hmm. and I was like okay great what do I do now (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah so what was the gift of you know because labels or diagnoses can imprison us because they can really limit our ability to see ways out um, but they can also point us to a lot of freedom and liberation so what was the gift of really acknowledging that diagnosis for you yeah so I think it just made everything in my life make sense Um, which you know like you sort of I guess there's I always tell people this when they're you know newly diagnosed with um like a neurodivergent condition there is so much um like grief in looking back over your lifetime thinking like oh that could have been different because you know if I was supported in this way then you know maybe that wouldn't have happened or a lot of people feel like you know sort of I guess like anger or a bit annoyed that you know their parents sort of didn't um like get this diagnosis for them But yeah, for me, like the label, it just sort of, yeah, made my whole life make sense. And I know that's like a lot to sort of (laughs) deal with, but it's, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just one of those things that you're like, okay, well, I can stop blaming myself Mm -hmm. for who I am now Mm -hmm. because my brain is literally different from everyone else's Mm -hmm. and this is how it works. And we need that diversity in our world to Absolutely. allow thriving. Mm. So did, did it immediately invite you to make adaptations to your world? Or was it simply, okay, I know what that is now, life makes sense. Did you change anything about your environments, yourself, the ways you did things? 
Well, it's funny because I sort of, you know, doing this whole like review of my life, um, <laughs> <laughs> just casually, which, which is you're forced to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. The reason that I do this is because you know I, you know, am overstimulated, and that's just like a thing that I've done in my life that's now become a habit, mm. and I haven't consciously chosen that. But I think like the small things, um, well, I say small, but they're not really small. It's like, you know, I guess with accommodations and stuff like that, it's um, learning how to almost like, I guess, hack your brain and recognizing like, okay, well, if I go to a supermarket and then I go out for lunch and then I do this, like, and then I come home and I feel really angry or upset, like, why is that? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, that's because I'm overstimulated. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, making, I guess, sense of the world from yes. that perspective. Um, and then just, yeah, like including, you know, little things like, Skimming and mm -hmm. giving yourself permission to do that mm -hmm. and then giving yourself permission to skim in front of other people mm -hmm. even though they might think it's weird and they're like why is this 30 year old playing with a toy in front of me <laughs> <laughs> but you know exactly. it doesn't have to make sense to that no, other person it no. just has to make sense to you I've always you know I used to always preface you know, people in my world of, I always need to be fidgeting something. I always yeah. need to have something in my hand. Yeah. Um, little did I know it had all yeah. everything to do with, <laughs> with my brain. Um, I love that the diagnosis and the awareness of your neurodivergence and ADHD allowed you to make sense of your world so that you weren't completely um, pointing the finger itself and mm -hmm. all of that dysregulation that comes from that. I love that that liberated you in that extent. But with an awareness of, of where we are on that, that spectrum, people will meet that labeling or that diagnosis or that awareness at different levels, won't they? Some yeah. of us will need to go down what we call the neuroenhancement route and, and, and be on medication and things mm -hmm. like that, and that's absolutely fine. Some of us are like, okay, cool. You know, it really depends on where we are in our own life to see where that label offers us security, mm. if that makes sense. So the security for you in recognizing your, your gorgeous brain was that it allowed you to understand your mechanisms and that creates that freedom to really own who you are. So Lauren, the masks are off, come as you are. How do you see the world now from the unmasked lens? <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, I guess, I feel like it's much more beautiful and heartbreaking in that way. <laughs> like. That's it's, your yeah, That's your right. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's you know, you can see, you see it all so much more mm -hmm. and you can understand so much more from this, you know, unmasked state that you're like, okay, this is really sad, but it's also very beautiful. Mm. Like it's yeah, it's very interesting. But I feel like when you don't get it's hard to not get bogged down in you know the like the bad things mm -hmm. of the world right mm -hmm. so you've always got to try and find that lightness and it's like you know like yin and yang you know mm -hmm. it's always that dark within the light yeah um light within the dark so mm -hmm. there's always gonna be that sort of yeah transition um but yeah it's 
a lot nicer and it flows a lot better and yeah it's excellent oh, that's so beautiful <laughs> how do you see yourself do you see yourself with greater love yeah absolutely yeah, yeah for sure acceptance and all of that yeah you know every like every now and again i'll be like oh why did you do that that was so silly or you know and try and beat myself up about it but i'm like nope i need to pull myself out of that don't do that um yeah and try and you know meet myself with yeah compassion and love mm. and go okay well why did you do that was it because you were feeling out of control or you know and how can we like improve on that having that you know self-awareness but then using it as a benefit rather mm. than using it as like a critical a weapon kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes that judgment oh why did you do that is a hangover from that conditioned patriarchal yeah. model that says you're not doing things right by the book mm. so that breaking up with that is probably a lifelong well, yeah. hopefully not a lifelong process but part of the reclamation and coming home I always see um, neurodivergency as, as, as being able to access all the colours in the pencil box. I know mm. I've used that metaphor already to describe something else in a previous podcast, but there is a capacity to see, oh my gosh, the elation, but also the heartbreak. And mm. But what I'm it, just in this conversation, I'm like, those, the people that are really swing that whole spectrum of emotion, because of that nature of being, well, that's, you know, that's not, pro, you, we can't be doing that all the time it's going to really encourage and motivate people to come back to centre. Mm. So I think, you know, neurodiversity really prompts awakening. You know, really, there's no other way that to come back to the middle of the seesaw, the Buddhist way, the middle way, maybe, or the Buddhists were neurodiverse. But anyway, side note. <laughs> but it really, you know, pushes you back to that middle of the seesaw to go, I am comfortable in all of the spectrum mm. of the emotion and the good or bad, but I can feel anchored and grounded in holding all of that because that's where the power comes in to really um you know make changes in this world and and hold that space for the incredible way that we think so i think that's um mm. that's interesting that the awareness of all of the colors and the emotions and the possibilities force us into finding some sort of stability which mm. i think is a power yeah a superpower when we get back to that place of i can handle all of this experience mm. You said um, once, I can't remember when it was, but I think you said something about spiderweb thinking. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what neurodiverse brains are like. Because, you know, you're a little spider and you're sitting there in the web and then, you know, someone will tell you something and you'll go, oh, I had a similar experience to this, <laughs> like over in the corner. Or you'll just, you know, it'll sort of float by and you'll go, I know that you're there, I know that you're there, mm. you know. And then you can sort of go... From that, you're like, okay, well, what are all the associations and the patterns? <laughs> and then, you know, like, yeah. it's just, yeah, that sort of, yeah, literally like a spider web. The pattern brain. Mm. Love it. Yeah. It's a good place <laughs> to be when we recognise the strengths of um, how our brains work and the world is definitely a bit of better place. We, we need to have different thinking and different feelings. And um, I love that it's becoming more and more recognised and more and more safe for that way of being and thinking and feeling through life to be expressed and received. So Lauren, you're a doctor of Chinese medicine, acupuncturist. Where does this, does that, does this knowing about yourself, this masking, unmasking, does it fit into this picture of your work with you yourself or with clients? How does it kind of connect into what you do every day? 
Yeah, so um, I guess looking back on it all, I sort of, you know, learnt about Chinese medicine and then I was immediately obsessed with it, you know? <laughs> so I was it like, I need to know everything about this mm -hmm. and it's so intriguing to me that I need to, you know, find out about it and study it. I need to, like, do this in my life. It just made so much sense to me. And the fact that I am using my hands yes. is incredible <laughs> you know that is just I'm a very tactile person and I love feeling you know the subtle changes and that sort of thing and yeah you know, I can totally relate yeah and then um you know sort of I guess making that person um feel better than what they did when you know they came in the door like you know and you did that with your hands like that's you know to me that's incredible mm. So yeah, it really, I think it fits really well, um, even down to the Chinese medicine theory um, about, you know, all of the spirits belonging to different organs and that really like mental, um, emotional connection with the physical body. It just makes so much sense. You know, if that person's Shen is disturbed, then of course, like mm. their heart is not going to be functioning correctly. Their sleep's going to be off because you know, their Shen is disturbed. Mm. So in order to settle that, you can do that with something, you know, physical, and then that person can sleep, mm. which is super cool. <laughs> and your pattern brain and your ability to see so many things, I guess would be fascinating when you're working with the body on all of those subtle planes. Yeah. And I think you've mentioned to me off air, off air, that sounds very professional, professor. <laughs> That when you touch certain acupoints, you can actually see colours, is it? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. So That's cool. Um, it was quite funny. Like, I think I was having this conversation. We were at the pub, like, after uni one day. And, you know, a few drinks in, and I was sort of being a bit of a silly goose. And then um, I was like, oh, do you guys, uh, you know, associate <laughs> um, acupuncture points with certain colours? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh interesting and they were like do you and I was like yeah kind of like and I was very you know I guess green because I was like probably a second year at the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was like <laughs> okay so yeah like spleen six is you know purple and like <laughs> liver three is green and then they were like oh okay <laughs> sure oh, I love it. and yeah and just you know I guess yeah seeing that and then seeing the change in people mm. too so mm you know, you might see someone who has a really deficient spleen and then one day all of a sudden it's brighter, mm. you know, their spleen channel is lighting up because they're feeling so much better mm. and it's just, yeah, it's incredible. And having that brain automatically moves you to solutions yeah. quicker than, and I'm, you know, there's no good or bad, but quicker than a, just a black and white kind of brain, it, it really supports you in seeing ways around it a yep. really good problem solver yeah totally. you know I often see that you know expressions of ADHD particularly in kids uh, them being canaries in the coal mine just recognizing mm -hmm. that there's something not quite right in the environment or um, you know for us practitioners something not quite right you know when, when we have those reactions we're able to really feel into um, that heightened emotion and mm -hmm. let it guide us to where there's an imbalance in the field or an issue in the field or something wrong in the environment. So, you know, ADHD children could be just pointing the finger at their parents' relationships. Like, yeah. it, it really is an expression of, of a, a feeling of that subtle energy and not mm. quite 
um, feeling comfortable or safe in it. And I think there's 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 power to recognizing what um, what thing what things are being pointed to in in wanting to be processed and un- unravelled from that patriarchal condition mm. model. And I think too, like you know, just going back to the masking thing, it's like that is also covering up your intuition and your feeling of you know energies like you know in your body that it doesn't feel right but Mm -hmm. you know society says that you have to do Mm -hmm. this like do this this particular way Mm -hmm. and you think "Mm, i don't like that it doesn't feel good for me Mm -hmm. and you know you might find yourself in situations where you think oh, I don't really like this energy, I kind of want to leave and it might be an unsafe situation or something that, you know, is not great and you're feeling that in your body yet everyone else is kind of like going along with it. Yes. You know, they're like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine and then you're like, oh, there's something off here but you can't Mm. explain it. I could never imagine why some people would love the, you know, love this particular person. Like everyone just adored this particular person. I just had this really awful feeling about them and I just couldn't ever and it made me feel like there was something wrong with me and I'm yep. being like a bitch and yeah I couldn't understand it but it's it's that picking up on that intuition that mm. you know there's something you know non-trustworthy whether that's my own issue but it, it, all of that's very confusing that's right yeah and, and that's such a good point that it masks your intuition and when you recognize the power of intuition particularly when you're unhooking from mental health issues and really getting a sense of who you are and your truth and how you can exhibit that purpose to the world you come to the point where it's like, I'm going to make sure that my world, my environment is set up so that my intuition reigns, that there yeah. aren't too many opportunities for that to be thwarted by environments that, that bring in all of that anxiety or are wrong for me, you know? Mm. And I think my neurodiversity doesn't, doesn't impact me if I'm in that environment that really welcomes. So it's no wonder I do the work yeah. that I do and spend yeah. most of the day in this room. Yeah. Um, but like, that just to me is playing it smart mm-hmm. because I value yep. my intuition, I value my truth because yep. it's how I serve and people, you know, expect not expect that from me but benefit from that. It's like I'm not going to put myself in environments or people or social situations that don't allow space for me in that unmasked capacity. Mm. Yeah, it just makes no sense. Yeah, mm. even with, you know, um, patients and stuff like that, like if there's some sort of a barrier that we're, you know, sort of both feeling... Um, I might not be the practitioner for them because we don't align and that's okay. I realise now that I don't have to change anything about myself because, you know, I'm still, you know, obviously being a practitioner and I'm conducting myself in a professional manner and that sort of thing. But if someone doesn't vibe with who I am, then that's okay. They can go and find their own person and I won't be like oh that was me I did that you know what did I do wrong yeah totally that's such a good point yeah be yourself yeah Yeah. um I've loved this discussion because clearly we've both got our masks off and that's why the conversation just is like we're sitting having a cup of coffee which I don't drink but you know um but it's this it's been beautiful to unpack this 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 topic in such a beautiful natural way so I'm deeply appreciative of that Lauren is there anything else you want to add to the conversation that we might not have touched around masking, ADHD, neurodivergence, anything missing that you feel you want to express around your experience or what you want us to understand? Um, I think just like with everything, you know, um, not like making 
neurodiversity like a pathology like Mm. it's you know something to be fixed I think that is the thing that everyone needs to realize um and particularly you know in children sort of coming up like I think I've heard recently that you know more more children and so many more people are being diagnosed as neurodiverse and they're thinking oh this is bad because they're putting them in a box and really it's breaking them out of the box oh good point yeah it's just it makes so much sense that you know while it might be a label and that's bad Mm. for Mm. some people yeah yeah, that's right it's like no it's you're taking them out of that box and then you're realizing and then celebrating them and yeah accommodating them and giving them the things that they need which is how we change thrive the environment yeah the environment is what changes if you're not going down the neuro um enhancement pathway you're going down the environmental shifting changes and that's going to ultimately result in in a better world Yes, it's what they, it's what we do with the the diagnosis. It's what we do with taking them out of the box. Yeah, and that's what we've got to work yeah. towards. And then I saw something the other day about you know how um, like psychiatry as a profession, it's literally yeah pathologizing a condition, a mental health condition or a neurodiverse condition, and then fixing it because that's their job. Chemically. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. you know doesn't need to be fixed it yes. just needs to be identified so then we can work with them yes mm. that future sounds amazing yeah. Yeah, let's claim it now anyway i think this conversation <laughs> is going to ignite lots of different things in people to consider and, and see and welcome in their friends in themselves in their loved ones in strangers in all the people they interact because we yeah. need to all interact that web lauren the question that i ask everyone uh, and I'll ask that to you now. What did you once disown about yourself that you now fully embrace? And I mean, we've talked a lot about it, so it's probably going to be a similar response, but you can be more specific if you want to. What did you once disown that you're now embracing? I think probably my passion and intensity. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was something that, you know, I sort of, I guess from a, a small child saying, like, you know, being too much or, you know, like, not being appropriate for that particular situation and it's the thing that I love the most about myself because yeah I'll get excited about a bee sitting on a flower and I will go oh my gosh this is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen (laughs) and everything is my you know my favorite thing yes so I think that is yeah one of the things that I had previously yeah beat myself up about um Mm. And now I love, love and embrace it. Like yeah. the hardest, that's that's so beautiful. I love that. But the question that comes to you, like, what's your favourite colour? And you're like... All of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cannot, cannot specify. Yeah. Like, that's and you're like, well, for what reason? Like, for what, um, you know, is it my favourite colour to go to sleep with? <laughs> is it my favourite colour to wake up I with? I don't want to discriminate like, against yeah. the colours. They're all welcome here. And yeah. that's our nature. Yeah. To welcome every single emotion every single human experience you know it, you know it's just such a beautiful beautiful harmonious place to be so passion and your intensity yeah is what you're really embracing and yeah. good for you the world's better mm. off for it yeah and i'm just sitting here listening to you and i've realized i'm fiddling like crazy with my talisman necklace that you all know that i wear you're fiddling crazy with your hairband yeah <laughs> so if any of you listening are fiddling with something welcome <laughs> 
totally understand it and get it. Well, this has been such a gorgeous chat, Lauren. Um, thank you so wonderful. much for exploring your experience through the diversity and, and ADHD and all of that sort of stuff. Where can people connect with you? How can they work with you? Well, what can people know about you? Yeah, so um, I am an acupuncturist in Mianjin or Brisbane, and um, I'm currently working out of Maya Mothers Collective in Ascot. Um, my business name is Althea Acupuncture, um, so you can find me on Instagram or Google, um, and soon to be on TikTok. I'm working. No. I'm working through wow, that. Wow, that's massive. <laughs> but yeah. So Althea, A L T H E A. Yes. Althea, and yes. so if people just put that into social media sites or web they'll find you yeah cool yes yeah Yay. amazing Lauren well thank you for all of your beautiful wisdom and sharing your experience with us thank you it's been excellent <laughs>